Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, hello, Ravens fans. It is the Believe in Ravens podcast with your hosts, Kyrie Thompson and Daniel Wilcox. Let me go ahead and switch the icons real quick before before we get too far into it. It's early enough where, where it's no big deal, right? But uh, what's going on, my man? Man, great, man. Just excited, man. The Ravens going into the playoff. It's playoff time, dog. You know, like, it's about to really turn up for real right now in football. Every game is go home. You know, win or go home. I, I love it, dog. This is the, the most exhilarating time of the year for players. And this is the first time of the year. Well, this is the second time of the year that everybody's on the exact same level as far as pay scale. You know, I don't know if people realize that, Kyrie, but, no, you know, every – they salaries go away right now, and now everybody get paid the exact same amount across the board. If you made it to the first round, you get a first-round check. The guys that don't play first round and get a bye week, they don't even get a check. It's crazy. Damn. What? <laughs> you so, so you play better than everybody else, and you don't get paid? No, you don't get a check for the first round bye. Damn. But you, but you get that second week check, though. That second week check is almost double that first week check. There we go. Yeah. So, it's, okay. I get and, and then, and then, hey, the people who don't make it that far don't get paid. So it's like, hey, as long as you keep on winning, you know what I mean? It's and bonus money. Exactly. And for the recap, the Baltimore Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC. It's official, baby. Yes, they've been they've been the number one seed for a minute. That that loss to the Steelers in week 18 did not matter because they were they had by far the best record in the league at that point. They basically didn't play anybody that mattered. Lamar Jackson didn't play. Uh, the Steelers were very excited, obviously, because they snuck into the playoffs as the seventh seed. Good for y'all. Uh, we might see y'all later. But but real, real quick, though, actually, just just to talk about that. Three teams from the AFC North made the playoffs and the, and the Bengals finished with a nine and eight record with no yeah, Joe man. Burrow for half the year. That's pretty wild. If, if you think about it, I think that I can't remember if, if it's the only time or it was a very select number of times that teams from that, that every team in the division finished with an above 500 record. Like that is, that is outstanding. Right. So, so Cleveland didn't make it. Uh no, Cle Cleveland's in. Cleveland's the five seed. Oh, Cleveland is in. Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. The, Bengals, the Bengals were the one team that didn't make it. Oh, the Bengals. And I thought you were saying they made it. I was like, dang, they yeah, made it and yeah. got in there. That's crazy. The, the, the Bengals finished nine and eight, but they nine didn't make the playoffs. That's okay. that's how wild. All right, all right, all right. right? I guess, so yeah. so let's run let's run down the list real quick. We got we got the Baltimore Ravens number one. The the Buffalo Bills, number two, and that's a fascinating one. The Bills were struggling for a while there. They ended up firing their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, midseason. And then Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen's still turning the ball over, but I think you just saw the, the offensive dynamic change yeah. after the firing of Ken Dorsey, and they picked it up, and they finished the season on the right note. They're the number two seed. They're tied for the same record as the Kansas City Chiefs, but because the Bills beat the Chiefs, yeah, they get the leg up there. So the Chiefs are the third seed. They've look, I mean, they're still 11 and six, right? It's nothing to sneeze at, but they have looked far from dominant. The the defense has been better than it has been, arguably, in in, in previous years, but the mm -hmm. offense has been different because they just don't have the wide receivers. 
They don't have the playmakers outside of Travis Kelsey and you know, Isaiah Pacheco out of the backfield. So Patrick Mahomes had a tough time, but Patrick Mahomes still that dude. The fourth seed, Houston Texans. Way back in week one, you remember they played the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens, you know, won comfortably in the end. But yeah. for a while there, for probably about, I want to say, 40 minutes of that game, they gave the Ravens a game. They really did. C.J. Stroud is going to be your, your rookie of the year offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he's just been incredible. Then you've got the Cleveland Browns. I mean, what else do I got to say? One of the best defenses in the league. Joe Flacco playing at a crazy level. Woo-woo! Crazy level right now. Miami Dolphins, your sixth seed. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers at the seventh seed. The Pits- okay, real, real quick. I mean... Say what you want about the Pittsburgh Steelers. But think about the fact real fast that Mike Tomlin got that team to the playoffs. They have no quarterback all year, all year long. They're They're running into the playoffs with Mason Rudolph as the hot hand, and they won 10 games. Yeah. I mean, Mike Tomlin better get some coach of the year votes. That, that's all I got to say. Bro, that's I mean. the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you know, it's the same thing to me. When you when I look at the Steelers, I look at the Ravens. You're gonna win three or four games a year just because of your who you are. You know, even if you're not a good team, even if you don't have the right quarterback, even if you don't have good running backs, you're gonna win three or four games a year just because you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, just because you're the Baltimore Ravens. You know, and Mike Tomlin, man, Mike T. I mean, he's. He's a phenomenal coach. Like, I I love him, man. I, I really do. Like, when I was in Tampa, I was on that Super Bowl team in 0203. He was my linebacker's coach down there, and he just did a phenomenal job, man. He's, he's such a great guy to be around, great personality. You know, his his aura that he brings when he walks into a room, how he commands attention to his team and respect of the players. I mean, he's a, to me, he's, a, he's what every player would want. He knows how to treat you. You know, he knows how to treat the guys – that put in the work. He knows who's putting it in. He knows who's not. He knows who's cheating. He knows who's doing everything the right way. And um, I think he's a heck of a coach, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though we spotted them a game, you know, we gave them a game. We had our practice squad guys out there against their starters. It was all good. You know, they, they still only won by seven points. You know, that's how I look at it. You can't tell a yeah. Pittsburgh man nothing different. They, they out here talking like they just the biggest thing since sliced bread. Man, we beat y'all twice this year. Now we spotted y'all the game. In the first game, we dropped 18 balls. Don't count. You know what I'm saying? We dropped 1,800 balls. We we dropped three, four touchdowns, and then y'all still win by two points or three points, whatever it was. I don't know. But, you know, it just, it's two games this year they stole from us. I love and, the salt. And, and, we, and we gave it to them, dog. We love, gave it I to love, them. I love the, the salt. The last game, we was like, dog, we could beat y'all with our backup guys. Yeah, just, I mean, they, I mean they, look. They, they found a way to win. It is last game, don't nobody care. I mean, that right. like that last game of the season – if, if we're being honest, like that, that's the same level of the Washington commanders beating the Ravens in preseason right. and, and celebrating like you won the Super Bowl. They it's did. like, they did. That's the best win they had all year. Good. Hey, they beat the Cowboys. Yeah. 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 But it wasn't better, better than them beating the Ravens in preseason. They, they, that was a, that was an undefeated streak that went on for almost five or six, seven years, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think like, okay, good for y'all. I mean, you got you got your little win. Don't catch us when we're when we're playing for real. We'll we'll see we'll see you then. But 
I mean, you really, get excited this, about this... the Cowboys, Kyrie? Did you get excited about the Cowboys? Like, really? Like, I mean, it, it, no, they could, to me, they kind of like the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they. <laughs> they well, they, they, I mean, you know, they're the Cowboys. <laughs> you know, they... Well, okay. Since, since since we're there, you know what? Let, let's go to the other side. Let's jump to the other side of the bracket because I wanted to kind of talk about. Yeah. Kind of go around the league a little bit. So we got the San Francisco okay. 49ers on the other side of the bracket. They're the number one seed. Cowboys, number two seed. Detroit mm-hmm. Lions. You know what? Honestly, man, you know, exactly. I, I grew up a Chicago Bears fan. So, um, you know, Lions are division rivals, you know, from childhood. But honestly, good for them. Good for them. Because Absolutely. that's a team that last year at this time, they had just finished up. I want to say they, they finished up eight and nine. They just missed the playoffs. But they were clearly trending in the right direction. They could have fired Dan Campbell and been like, eh, not good enough. They could have decided they wanted to move on from, from Jared Goff. I like Campbell, too. They they stayed the course. They stayed the course. And now they now they won the division with a 12-5 and record. And are, are they a real Super Bowl contender in my mind? I mean, okay, they're in the playoffs, so yeah, sure. But I don't see them winning the Super Bowl. I don't think they are. They have that level of talent on, especially on defense. I, I don't think that's going to work. But they're there. They won the division. They they played good football, and I give them all the credit. I, I'm Me honestly, too. I'm happy. I'm happy for them. Good yeah, for y'all, Detroit Lions. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the NFC South with a nine and eight record. I mean, honestly, every time you look at the NFC South, man, you're just like somebody's limping into the playoffs with a BS ass record. <laughs> Yeah. That, that that division is so bad, bro. And I mean, I know, I know you know because because you're you're an Atlanta guy, you know. So you yeah. you got your Falcon. I know you know about this, but man, that yeah. division yeah. is is tough, and not yeah. in a good way. Um, when I found so, out the Falcons had a chance to still make it, I was like, what? The yeah, Falcons man, got a chance to still make the playoffs. Yeah, they, they had a chance to make the playoffs, and uh, and our, and our boy Justin Fields took care of that. He did. Uh, he did. And we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, that's like Atlanta, people, Atlanta crime. There, there's some people who think that man could be an Atlanta Falcon next year. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 do we'll do that later. We got lots got, of time to do that one. You got my vote. You got lots of time to do that one. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, your mm-hmm. fifth seed. That Phil- Philadelphia is the fifth seed. Uh huh. What they their defense has been trash, bro. They have been awful i think they've lost five of their last six games and they've been out here they're just just struggling for answers they had injuries they got a bunch of injuries what's going on it's just bad they're just just not very good just straight up and you got sean desai who was the the defensive coordinator coming into the year they replaced him with matt patricia who listen okay matt patricia have been tricking y'all into thinking that he can coach I mean, he, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, he's he coached defense before. It's like, look, when he was with the New England Patriots, his defenses were not that good. They really weren't. And I think that he got a lot of shine based off of just the fact that he's working with Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick's defensive scheme, Bill Belichick's players, all of that. Same. And then he, and then everywhere he has gone since then, it's been an absolute train wreck. He has not done a single good – even when he came back to New England last year, he has not done anything well right. since he was the defensive coordinator like in the mid 
2010s or whatever for the New England Patriots. It's just disaster after disaster, and they've gotten worse. Jalen Hurts isn't even play. That's the thing. That's what's tripping me out, man. Jalen Hurts isn't even playing badly. He's not. He's playing just fine, and right. they have been awful. They couldn't stop the freaking Giants, man. They they couldn't stop the Giants, and they were trying to win that game to end the season because they still had a chance to potentially win the they, they had a chance to win the division still. If they could if they could have won that game and the Cowboys had lost, they could have still won the NFC East, and they couldn't stop the Giants when they were trying. Wow. That I, I don't I don't even know what else to say about that. But but that that's where they are. That's where they are right now. Uh six seed, Los Angeles Rams. I think that team got slept on real all hard. Year. All year long. Real hard. How about that? Stapp- oh, that's one of the more dangerous <clears throat> teams. It I is. It like is. They're gonna sneak up playoff. on some people. They're one of the most the more dangerous teams in either bracket because Matt Matthew Stafford is playing like Matthew Stafford, like like old school Matt Stafford. He's on that kind of level right now. Puka Nakua. I mean, if, if you're not giving it to CJ Stroud, Puka Nakua is your next up for offensive rookie of the year because yeah, that kid two. has been freaking phenomenal. And I knew he was going to be good. People look, man. I people, did. You knew more than me, Kyrie. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to ball like that. He, he balled. See, I don't, I don't know that I expected him to be setting like rookie records and stuff like that, but you could see him at the senior bowl. And I know like his one-on-ones and stuff like that, but you could see him at the senior bowl. Everything about the way that he operated was so freaking clean and technical and professional. That dude, he, he looked like a veteran out there playing with a bunch of like, like playing with a bunch of college kids. He, he looked like that. And you're just like, okay, I can see how this is going to go ahead and translate. And, you know, he's out there playing with Matthew Stafford. He basically just like, he did Cooper cup better than Cooper cup, (laughs) you know? It's Absolutely. like, and I mean, Cooper Cup was hurt, so so I mean, we, we got to put that out there, right? But I mean, the other thing too, I just love the aesthetic of his game, man. Like he's not the most, he's not the fastest dude in the world, but but he's out there just playing physical, tough. They can handle the ball. He'll lower his shoulder. I mean, he did to the Ravens, right? He's out there running hard. He doesn't yep. wear no gloves. He's out there just got the taped up fingers, just catching yeah. the ball bare hand. I mean, come on, That's man. How school. can you how can you not love a guy like that? Yeah, I, I like I love the way the kid plays and he's a he's a complete all around receiver. And you said it, man, you know, he's doing all the dirty work. He's blocking on uh, backside of plays. He don't let that backside corner come and make the tackle downfield. You know, he's picking up as soon as the ball doesn't come to him. He's looking for somebody to block. And that's why that's how great receivers play the game, man. And and he, and when he don't have the ball, he's doing all the dirty work. And when he does have the ball, he's still doing all the dirty work because he, he will put that hat on you and quickly he's tough and he runs hard, man. He gets that yak yard. You know, only other person I think get more yak yard than him than the than the kid from um is the kid from Philly, um Brown. He's Ooh, not, he AJ. he don't play now. Yeah, AJ yeah. Brown. He he's serious. Yeah, AJ's a big strong dude, man. Um, but then the seventh seed. This pains me because as I mentioned, you know where I'm from. Yeah. Green Bay Packers got up in there, and yeah. they got in there by beating up on the Chicago Bears. Jordan they're the youngest. Love, I I want to say they're the youngest playoff team in NFL history in terms of average age. And they got okay. Jordan Love, who, look, 
here here's one right as a as a guy who grew up you know as a chicago bears fan i had a lot of chicago bears fans talking about jordan love's gonna be trash like they don't even believe in him they didn't they didn't extend him they're not picking up his fifth year option whatever and you know he was sitting there behind aaron Rodgers, and and they they chose to keep aaron Rodgers for another year because jordan love wasn't ready and all, all this stuff all, all the different conversations and i was mm-hmm. just like jordan love's not gonna be bad I, right. I feel like the little bit we've seen of him, I don't know that he's just he's going to be bad. He might have some bad games, but he's probably going to be just fine. Right. And not only was he just fine, but he threw for 30 touchdowns. Well, 30 more than 30 touchdowns or 4,000 yards in his first full year as a starter. That's hard. After sitting around for three years. Basically, in, in red shirt, and it's and it's not like he came in to twenty eighteen Kansas City Chiefs like Patrick Mahomes did, right. where you got Tyreek Hill and you got prime Travis Kelsey, and you got a, a hell of an offensive line. It, you didn't have all that. You didn't have it. Andy Reid, though. I mean, I think Matt Lafleur is a really good coach. I mean, that's just some. He played well, and the <clears> defense. The defense is not very talented or very good. People clown on Joe Barry all the time, the defensive coordinator. Um, but they've got a strong defensive front. And if your offensive line has is compromised in any way, Kenny Clark and those dudes can get after you. And Devontae Wyatt, who is kind of like a, the, one of the forgotten dudes in on that on that Georgia front from a couple of years ago. Maybe right. not forgotten, but he wasn't thought of in the same way as as Jordan Davis and and Jalen right. Carter. But Devontae Wyatt's out here; he's out here playing, you know. And then and then they got Quay Walker up in there, right? I mean, they they they've got they've got talent on on that defense. They just need a better coach, I think. A little bit more personnel in terms of on the outside in terms of coverage, but they got some dudes on the front seven who could play. So. So tell me this, like, who, so who do you think? I, mean, I see the first game is um, on the NFC side is Philly versus Tampa. Who you got winning that game? And it's Philly versus Tampa. Oh, yep, NFC. I mean, Philly versus I mean, Tampa. That, it, it should be Philly. It should be Philly. You think Tampa I, got I a chance? I don't. I don't trust them that much right now, though. Is the problem? Defense. And I don't know what to do about that. I mean, Baker Mayfield. <clears throat> Has has definitely played. He, he's played him in himself into a starting job somewhere, whether it's the Buccaneers, whether it's someplace else, right? Right. Um, I, I would figure the Buccaneers probably hang on to him because I don't know that they're going to have an avenue to a better quarterback um, in free agency or in the draft. So that's okay. kind of how I would see it. But as I'm thinking yeah. about it, I think if if Baker Mayfield is playing anywhere decent. I don't know how that Philadelphia Eagles defense is going to stop like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Um, and then on the other side of things, I, I think Jalen Hurts has been playing good football, but you're going to be facing a very aggressive Todd Bowles defense. To, to me, you this is where you kind of see whether or not Justin, you know, whether or not um, Jalen Hurts is really that guy or not. You know, like yeah. to to me, he has to be able to literally take over a game right now. The way this thing is playing out, I mean, going against Tampa, Tampa always got great defense, always got good defense, good solid defense. So they're gonna definitely try to hold them to under 
you know, maybe 28 points at the, at the most. So it's going to be whether or not Philly can score more than 28 to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think Jalen Hurts has that in his game. I think they've still got the offensive line. They've still got playmakers. I, I think we saw it in the Super Bowl. I think yeah. that he 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 has it in his game, I think, okay. to, to be that kind of difference maker. I'm just having a hard time trusting the Eagles right now because of the way they've been playing. They're coming in extremely cold. I want to say they were like 10 and 2 at one point. Yeah. And they've just fallen off the mat. You know what I mean? Um it's chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all chemistry. It's all chemistry. It's nothing else. Like when, I think you really so I it, was, it would be 10 and 1. Yeah, 10 and 1 because they finished 11 and 6. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think um their chemistry is so thrown off, man. Like a lot of times when you fire a coach like they did, um, then you come in with a new DC, you know, you're, you're trying to learn his ways about doing things and you're trying to get to know how and feel, you know, trying to feel him out as a DC. And it's kind of hard to be on the same page with him. I think what a lot of people don't understand is like, it's like any other company in the world where there's division and people amongst themselves talking about what's going on, it kind of unravels things when everybody's not sure everybody's yeah. on the same page. You know, I'm trying to do your job instead of doing my job. You're trying to do my job instead of doing your job. You know, it's, it kind of goes down the line like that. So somewhere along the way, along the lines, Philly has destroyed the chemistry that they had in this team, man. They had really good chemistry. The players was, you know, really communicating well with each other and playing well on the field. And it showed up week in and week out. And I just, I, I remember seeing that you know, that um interview when Jalen Hurts had and yeah. the guy was talking about it. He was at Alabama, you know, only lost four games your whole college career. You think you could do that in the NFL? And, and at that moment, he had only lost three or four games, you know, and, and then you turn around the end of the season, lose another three or four games, you know. So it, it's, it's kind of shocking how fast it happens. But I've been a part of a team that falls apart. And when it falls apart, you know, it's a lot of pointing the fingers at people and you kind of see who people really are when you're losing versus when you're winning when you're winning everybody's happy everybody's treating you great and then all of a sudden you start losing and now everybody's pointing the finger at everybody instead of you know stepping up saying hey man this is what i did wrong i'm gonna fix it you know yeah. and you know and let it go down the line that way but you know it's gonna be interesting I, I i still give that first week to philly um and i think they'll see san fran in the second round and that i mean i think at this point you're looking at it and you're saying san fran's probably gonna win that game um, that, yeah. that's, that, that's kind of how, how I'm seeing it. I, I, I kind of don't want to break up the playoff talk, but I think right. I, I'm going to, because okay. you talked about chemistry and you yeah. talked about coaches and today has been in, in the last couple of days really have just been days for, for big changes around the NFL. Right. I mean, the first one that came up, cause you mentioned Jalen hurts is Nick Saban is retiring. He what? is told, yeah. He, I must have been underneath a damn rock. I ain't heard nothing about this. What? You were, Nick you were, Saban retiring? Yeah, you were. I mean, you were out there busting your ass. You were out there working all hard all day. Man, that's Nick crazy. Saban. Nick Saban told Alabama. He's announced the team. ESPN reported it that he's gonna retire. He made a statement and everything. I mean, crazy. Seven seven national championships. One at LSU. Six at Alabama all-time great coach in, in, in the history of, of football, period. That's tough. And, I, I mean, it's like, he, well, I think I want to say he's 72. 
Yeah. yeah I think he's 72 years old. Mm. And then you had Pete Carroll. I don't know if you heard about that one. What? What happened to Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll got removed as the head coach of they the Seattle Seahawks. They fired Pete Carroll. So, so they, Dang. it's interesting because they, they fired him, but he's still with he's it sounds like he's still going to be with the organization in an advisory role. He wanted to stay the head coach and they said they wanted to move in a different direction, but they still want him around. He, that said, they're going to go with another head coach. So you had, you had big news from, from that standpoint, you had announced today on the other side of things with the Chicago bears that they're keeping their head coach. What? Yeah, they're keeping their head coach, but they fired the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. Um, and they had a whole press conference that I listened to. And it, it sure sounds to me like I mean, they're hedging their bets really hard at quarterback. <clears throat> We're going to have a lot more to talk about that with what should like, what do the Bears do? What should they do with Justin Fields? Um, if you fire your OC, you're not going to go buy, you know, go get another quarterback. Now you fire your OC and then you give a new OC a chance to work with your franchise quarterback. See, it's interesting, man, because you could also look at it and say they got the number one overall pick. This is the perfect time to, okay, you got a new OC. You go ahead and you, and you grab the, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake may or what have you. And, <clears> and they can just come in with a clean slate and all that. But the thing is to me though, is if you were going to do that, why'd you keep Matt Eberflus? Right. I, and the bears, the bears have been doing this for a long time. And, yeah. and I feel like, you being, I mean, I know that you talked about it, right? You're having lots of offensive coordinators, but but you had stability with the head coach. The head coach wasn't going nowhere, right? You know what I mean? Until they fired him, yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> the, but but what the what the Bears have continually done <clears throat> that's wild is they'll, you know, they'll they'll have a coach and you know he'll he'll be bad or whatever, and then there's just like okay, well you know, you, you better win next year or you're going to get fired. Or it's just like, okay, we'll keep you for one more year, see what happens. And then, and then they draft the quarterback to try to save their jobs. It doesn't work. Coach gets fired. Then quarterback has to immediately have a new head coach, new offensive coordinator. They go through that for a couple of years and then, well, decision time's coming up on the quarterback. Um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then they'll, then they'll, they'll, you know, get a new one. And then, you know, new head coach and all that. And it's like, well, head coach is about to get fired. What do you do to save your job? Draft another quarterback. That's what they did to Justin Fields. They 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 allowed a, a, a lame duck head coach and general manager to draft Justin Fields. They fired head that head coach and offensive coordinator the next year after doing the same thing with Mitchell Trubisky. Mm -hmm. And now they're keeping Matt Eberflus. And they're and they have the number one overall pick, which would sit. I mean, in most conventional wisdom, would say, if you love the quarterback enough, you know, at, at number one or two or whatever, the prospect's good enough. A lot, like the the conventional wisdom says, you take the quarterback, you trade Justin Fields because I think right now it, it doesn't seem like they're committed to him financially. And so a lot of people, I think, are saying, why not just get rid of them and do it all over again? But then you're doing the same thing all over again. You're setting your quarterback, your new quarterback up to fail. And the thing yeah. is, even if you keep Justin Fields, you're still making it hard on him because you got to learn a third offense now. Right. I, I think I, I really believe this and wholeheartedly. If you get rid of Justin Fields, you, you know, you, you're asking for doom within the, the, the franchise. Right. 
And when I say that, I, I talk all the time about chemistry. When you got a guy like Justin Fields, that's an absolute dog at quarterback. And he'll get it done for you if you put him with the right system and the right OC that could call the plays and play into his strengths and not his weaknesses. You know, you, you're talking about a guy that's electric. And you got to still be able to develop NFL guys, too. You know, Justin Fields is a young guy. You know, he went to Georgia, transferred to Ohio State, played one or two years, and went to the league. Like He, he only got you like know, two years underneath his belt in college football. And you know what struck me about <clears throat> thinking about that? I want to get back to the coaches here in a second, but what yeah. struck me about that is thinking about the fact that he didn't even have a full third season. He didn't. That's because of COVID. COVID. Because of yeah. COVID. So yeah. he's he's a very young player who still got some things to learn. And I think that all of us would agree, whether you think the, the Bears should stick with him or not, I think all of us would agree. I would not, I would not that, get rid of him and bring in Caleb Williams, man. This is what this is what's going to happen, Kyrie. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm telling you right now, this is exactly what's going to happen. If you get rid of Justin Fields and you bring in Caleb Williams from USC, what's going to happen is everybody's going to compare him to Justin Fields. You know, every single player in that locker room will be like, "Bro, Justin would have made that. Throw. Justin would have made that play. Justin, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to do that. They too, they too, they too much alike. You know, in in a sense, you know. So when you bring, you get rid of one. First round draft pick quarterback and bringing another first round draft pick quarterback, I, I think you're setting that kid up for failure. Anything he do wrong, they're gonna be comparing him to Justin Fields and whether or not Justin they should have kept Justin or, or or got rid of him or you know what I'm saying or, or passed on him and got another player that could have helped Fields better or protect Fields or whatever it may be. You're setting it up for failure, and you'll have all these talks and rumbles amongst the guys that's on the team, and they're gonna end up riding whoever they bring in, no matter what. That's that's part of the job. You know, but they're going to feel it. The players are going to feel it big time, and you're disrupting the chemistry within your team. You get rid of your star quarterback and bring in another star quarterback, and one you got is already a star if you feed them right. And and I think the interesting thing about that, too, is, and I mean, this is kind of, kind of we'll, we'll, we'll you know leave it there, right, is the Bears players have been very clear about how they feel about Justin Fields. They love the hell out of him. Yeah. And, you know, DJ Moore, who just put up his career best season, and he's been like, yeah, I mean, he's the quarterback. I want him to be the quarterback. And basically said, like I told him in the exit interviews, I want him to be the quarterback. The defensive guys want him to be the quarterback. Everybody on in the locker room wants him to be the quarterback. Now, other veteran players, you know, have, have said that, hey, man, look, <clears throat> um, if they draft a guy, you know, yeah, they might be disappointed. They might be mad about it. But in the end, right. you go about your business. You get over it because because you got to keep playing. Everybody's got to play. And I mean, would would you would you say that 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 would be the case? Like, if if the Bears end up doing that, that the players will they might be mad or whatever, but you get over it and you start playing. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have you don't have a choice. I mean, this is your job at the end of the day. If you're a pro and you're a professional, then you're gonna find a way to make it okay. You know, no matter what, mentally in your mind, you're going to make it okay. And physically, you're going to go out there and put out a great product every day because your check and your livelihood depends on it. You got a yeah. family to feed at the end of the day. You'll get over that shit. At the end of the day, you're going to get over. You're going to get past it. You got to feed the wife. You got to feed the kids. You know, hey, mama needs new shoes. Baby needs some new diapers. Let's go. You know, no matter what, no matter how it goes down, you're going to find a way to feed your family, man. And you'll get over the Justin Fields thing. But I'm telling you, it's going to disrupt this chemistry of the team. And I think we're just now getting over, you know, us losing a little bit of chemistry in Baltimore when we let um, Mark Ingram go, you know? 
you know, that's, when we, that's interesting. Yeah, when we let him go, I think that kind of disrupt something in our locker room for a little while, man. Because that big trust thing took off with them, and they was they bought they all bought in, man. Lamar that's MVP true. season, and then next next thing you know, everybody's getting injured the next year. You know, Ingram's gone. They bring in J.K. Dobbins. He's been hurt ever since they brought him in. You know, and it's just it's been this nonstop. You know, trying to get past that whole thing. You know, and now I'm not saying that the guys just miss Mark Ingram so much that they just didn't play well for the three years. But I'm saying that messed up the chemistry and it was a ripple effect throughout the, the team and how things happened and everything. Cause that team was riding high, man. The energy was high. You saw the personality of the Baltimore Ravens shine while he was there. And they just now starting to get back to that, that platform. I think they're comparing this team to that team right now. Yeah. 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 And you know what? It's going to be an interesting thing that we're going to talk about next week. I don't want I don't want to do the whole topic over because, you know, the, the Ravens aren't playing this week. But we're going to talk about that right. 2019 team that was the number one seed. And how do you avoid having what happened to them happen again? We will get to that. Like I said, you know, we got we got to save some topics here. But I mean, the, what we're talking about here with, with chemistry and the importance of the locker room going to be in all in and, and, and buying into each other. And I think that's a part of this that those of us who just look at just the stats or just mm -hmm. the analytics of the game or just the business of the game, that's a part that really gets kind of thrown to the wayside, I feel like. Because it's just kind of like, well, I mean, you can't really quantify that, so we're not going to try to quantify it. Because in the end, it's just like if you're if you're good, then that's its own locker room glue. I I mean, I that that's that's kind of I get that. I also think there are some good players who are assholes, probably. Yeah, I know one who, who their teammates aren't really feeling them like that. Um, I'm not saying anything like that about you know any of these rookie quarterbacks. I don't know anything about them. Right. Um, but let, let, let's take that almost to the coaching side of things, because there's another guy that we haven't talked about, and that's Bill Belichick. Huh. He's been floating around in the ether here for the last week. We do not. I mean, he's, he's you know, said so he's under contract and all that stuff. Greatest head coach of all time could have a chance to you know be the winningest head coach of all time if he sticks with it for a couple of more years but from my vantage point he it, he's tough because i think that bill belichick the general manager has has not done a good enough job but bill belichick the coach his players still seem to buy into what he's doing i mean he's going to be 72 <clears throat> years old here wow. in a couple of months and they've lost they, – they've had three losing seasons in their last four. Do you think that based on what the what the recent Patriots body of work has been, would it be a mistake to move on from him? Um, I'm going to have to say no. I'm, I don't think it would be a mistake at all. And the reason I'm going to say that is that this like, – you, you don't know as a player when you come into the league that there's no loyalty. You don't know that. So as a player, you know, you're loyal, loyal, loyal to a fault because you've been loyal in, in little league. You've been loyal in middle school and high school and Juco or college. And then, you know, now you get to the league and it's a 
hundred percent, hundred percent business. You know, ain't no love, ain't no love at all. They love you when you're doing great and you're at the top of your game. But as soon as you start to fall off, they wipe their hands with you and move on to the next. You know, they they take number ten from Tyreek Hill and give it to Pacheco. You know, and it's yeah. like it happens that quick, bro. Like you yeah. you look up, you're like what? You're not signing Tyreek Hill. You know what? Antonio Brown leaving the Steelers. You know, and it's mm-hmm. you know, and you seeing this stuff, and it's crazy. You know, it don't matter how good you are, you know, you could you could be up out of there at any moment. So, what kind of message would it send if if a coach don't have that same that same love that we get from the from the franchise? Yeah. You know, so to me, I don't care how good the coach was. You got rid of Brady. If you get rid of Brady, why you can't get rid of Belichick? And 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 Belichick was the one who did it. And I would right. also like to point out, look, Belichick did that very often where he would get rid of guys, you know, at the right time. He trade them right before they were about to fall off or if they right. were hurt um, or, or he would let a guy walk and he wouldn't be as good someplace else. And then he'd sign them back and then they'd be playing well again because yeah. they worked so well in his system. Right. Brady is like the first guy that he just, I w- he's probably not the first guy. Right. But he's one of the it feels that way though. He's one of the first ones that first of all outplayed that for so long because because Belichick wanted to trade him or he he was he was looking for reasons to trade him before they started winning those that third set of super the second set of Super Bowls again in Mm -hmm. starting in 2014. He was thinking about it back then. He drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and so they were he was looking to do it, and then Brady kept playing too well and made it impossible. He's like, I got to keep the guy. But then in the end, he didn't play as well in, in that age 42 season in 2019 because the team around him was so bad. And then eventually Tom Brady can't just be a miracle worker. I mean, yeah. Really, you know, on on offense. And, and then he's like, well, that's it. I mean, you're falling off. I got to get rid of you. You go ahead, do something else. I'll figure it out at quarterback. And then Brady immediately goes and wins a Super Bowl. And you're like, oops, Belichick got that wrong. Yeah. He got it wrong. He pissed Brady and, off. That's what he did. He just pissed him off. Brady Brady went through the, the he went to a first round. He went through the draft as a first round pick for the first time in his career when he went to Tampa, and he saw how it felt to be a first round pick, and it, well, it re-energized well, him. Well, he he saw what it was like to be a first round pick, and he went to a stacked offensive team. He did. He did. And and then he's just like, okay, bombs away. Then let's do this. Bombs and and back, on the back. other side of things. Belichick has realized how hard life is when you don't have a quarterback. He had a quarterback for 20 years. That was a dog. 20 years. And I mean, even, even before Brady was starting yet, Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe was a really good player. Yeah, Drew right? was really good. Yep. And, and and so you had that for 20 years, and then and then you didn't have that anymore. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what that's what that's like for all these other teams that have this problem. Yeah. And I think it's been jarring for Patriots fans to see that happen now in real time. And now they've got the number three overall pick and they're over here talking about, well, nah, let's trade down and, and take a tackle or trade down to take a receiver or trade down and do a, you got the number three overall pick. You need a damn quarterback, you know, you QB. you need, you need a quarterback. A, you you don't need, have you, one. You may need to trade for a head coach too. And, and and that's you may may need to get a head coach. I mean, you're he, you know, Belichick might be down there in Atlanta. You never know. Um, we'll take him. We'll take we'll take yeah. anything in the A right now, boy. Yeah, but we'll but I think it, 
it's just interesting, man, because, you know, people talk about, you know, NFL stands for not for long. Yeah. And it's about what have you done for me lately? And mm-hmm. I think by those standards and by the standards Bill Belichick has set for so long, Bill Belichick would fire Bill Belichick. Yeah. Very well said, Kyrie. A hundred percent true. He would and, he would get rid of himself. And and I'm and I'm looking at it like I mean, obviously he hasn't fired himself yet, you know, and he's probably he's not going to. He basically said, I'm not, you? I'm not leaving until you make me leave. I um, leave. Got a yeah, great exactly. job in the world. This brother's out here making 20 million dollars a year or something. I'm not Crazy. I'm not gonna be like, nope, I'm I'm just giving up 20 million dollars a year. No, now, I, I saw that firsthand though, Kyrie. I'm telling you right now, it's poison, it's it's absolute poison. Anytime you give a head coach the head coaching job and the general manager job, you're setting your program up for failure. Right here, when I was on this team, right here, that was the exact same thing they did in Tampa with John Gruden. And you just giving the man too much power. You're giving a man that GM job. He got all the hiring and firing. He get to pick who gets drafted and who don't get drafted. And then he's the head coach of the team. He get the call. He could be the – this dude was the OC, the head coach, the general manager, all in Tampa. And it didn't make, make no sense at all, man. But he had all the power and pull in the world to do exactly what he wanted to do. He was untouchable in Tampa. And, you know, so that's the same thing that, that Belichick has right now in Boston, man. I Something has to give, you know. Maybe you keep him as a GM and see if he could develop skill a little bit better because he's such a, a great evaluator of talent. You know, as a coach, he was a great evaluator of talent. I remember he took a, a Dalis Thomas from us because Rex, Rex Ryan, you know, was putting a Dalis Thomas in all those crazy positions. Rex Ryan, we had him playing all over the field, and he took him to New England and he put him in one position and one position only. He didn't explore them as well as he did, as well as Rex did. Rex allowed him to really flourish here. I mean, he played Gunner. He played, you know, um, hold up on punt return. He was Gunner on punt team. Then he would get out there at, at linebacker and play outside backer. Then they would move him to inside. Then they would move him to safety. Sometimes he'll line up at corner. He'll get an outside backer and run to the corner spot and cover a wide receiver out on the flat. And it was crazy, some of the stuff that he put him in over here in Baltimore, man. He just played the guy well. So Bill Belichick has always been a guy that's been very crafty enough to take a guy from even on the offensive side of the ball and put him on the defensive side of the ball or defense and put him on offense. He played guys both ways. He put he found ways to get the most out of his players. I mean, the Eldermans, the West, the West Welkers of the world. I mean, he found a way to do it. I mean, hell, the Falcons lost the Super Bowl to the damn Patriots, and they ain't have no black wide receivers. Everybody was looking like, how is this possible? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how is this possible? They got a whole staff of white receivers. They win the Super Bowl. You know, it just happened to be against my, you know, Atlanta, my hometown. But God yeah. dang, man, it's crazy. You know, Bill, Bill is is a smart guy. He's an intelligent yeah. guy. You know, I think I think he needs a break. You know, take a break. Let somebody else have it in New England. You know, take a year off. Come back next year and get another year in somewhere else. Two more years somewhere else. The thing is, you can't retire right now because he's too close to to to, to your the the biggest yeah. accolade you could get as a head coach. Fifteen games. 15 games away. He, he needs 15 literally games. one season. He can win that in one season. He's done it before. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> no, I, I'm I'm curious about what ends up happening with yeah. him. And and there's going to be more hirings and firings and comings and goings in the, in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to be talking about it throughout. We will be back on the Believe in Ravens podcast. 
over the as long as the Ravens keep on doing their thing, man, their first game will be next week. We will see after Super Wild Card weekend who that opponent will be. Until then, I'm Kyrie Thompson. That's Danny Wilcox. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.